Hey, very good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Sean. This is Alex. Hey, you're listening to another episode of Coaster Kings Radio. And today's episode is another armchair imagineering episode where we take on the park and just discuss all the things that are wrong with it and what we change about it. And today is Epcot. Lots of things are wrong with Epcot, so it's going to be a good episode. Oh, and happy 2024, everyone. Yes. I think it's the first episode this year. <laughs> Our first recording of 2024, and we're choosing violence. We're choosing <laughs> constructive criticism to the max. See, what happened was, is we posted a tier ranker of the Disney parks, and we put Epcot kind of low. Not like super low. And people were I mean, I thought it was super realistic. mad. And I'm like, this park has a lot of issues. And in, in, in my quest for atonement, and my desire to defend... So far, if anyone really thinks you did this for, like, cloud or something, because it did get an incredible amount of social media traction oh to the God. point where, like, it went semi-viral on, like, outside of our usual groups, um, this was actually born out of just Alex and I chatting at work. Like, I was at my work, he was at his work, we were just kind of chatting. And, um, you know, it was just like, all right, rank the parks now, you know? Like, yeah. Because we rank the totally parks random. all the time. And I was like, oh, okay, like, you know, this is this tier, that's that tier. And then it's like, all right, cool. And then he made this little graph out of it because we kind of agreed. And then it wasn't like we ever made this to be, like, a specific way for a specific response. This was literally just, like, what we were, like, talking about to each other. And that's how our ranking was at that moment, uh, which, you know, uh, we do all the time. We've published a lot of rankings historically. And it's like, you know... If we didn't have a good way to defend what we were saying, we can defend anything we say, we can defend it. That's not hard. Yeah. But people see stuff and just assume that we're full of shit. And it's like, no, like, we have, there's a reason why. Like, I think our, my biggest issue was that people are over here acting like we never been to the parks. I know. I was like, we live a good, like, 15 minute like, drive from Disney. We've never world. been to Epcot. Like, we have been to, to all Disney parks in the world at least twice. Like, it's not like we don't know Disney. Like, yeah. we, we made this based on our experiences at Disney parks over the years. And, frequent visits to all the parks and especially very frequent visits to the Paris, Orlando and Anaheim parks. I mean, too many visits to count Like we've been to them so many hundreds of times. So it's like, yeah, guys, so we've been, like, we've been to these parks and we have criticism that we have and it's not, uh, you know, we're, we're not just saying so to get offended. attention. And I'm like, you know, there is nothing wrong with loving Epcot. There's a lot to love at Epcot. Oh, Epcot's a lovely place. But there's just, but there's a lot of room. We spent a lot of money at Epcot, and we spent a lot of money at Epcot. And, and people spend, you know. can't separate constructive criticism from like hating. And I'm like, people who were like upset, I'm like, I might, I'm like, I go to Epcot more than you. Like, I really like Epcot. Like, that's why I feel... Yeah, let's establish that. We really like Epcot. We're so... Before you listen to the episode, and, and, we like, really we, like Epcot. We, we love it. We, this is just our way of showing. Like, we want Epcot to be the best it can be. And that starts at the parking lot. <laughs> so let's start at the parking lot. So the parking lot did get an improvement. Completely repaved and yeah. re-themed. And it has that new aesthetic on, like, the poles and stuff. Yeah, all the and no longer like, signs are kind of You know, imagination parking lot. It's, you know, now it's characters like Crush and Wally. And Dory, I think, is in there yeah. somewhere. Hey, hey, and Moana are in hey, there. Hey, hey, Moana are chilling Crush. in the parking lot in the brutal sun of Florida. Even Wally. Um, so, parking lot, I have no real complaints. Although, I will say, if you park on the far end, which I think is like over by like Wally and um, uh, Rocket and stuff, like, oh, yeah. you know, like way out there in the boonies, then it's like, it can be like a tough walk to the park. Yeah. And it's going to be a tough getting out when it's really busy because it's, all, it's like a lot of traffic feeds into the same little road. Uh, but other than that, I mean, that's, you know, very minor. I think the parking lot itself is in decent shape. Yeah. 
I mean, I wouldn't mind covered walkways, all the Walt Disney World Park walkways. Mm-hmm. You know, I like Disneyland Paris and more for the rain than I do for than for the sun. It has those covered like moving walkways that like move you at you know rapid pace towards the park entrance. Um, those are nicely covered. I wouldn't mind having that. Europa Park has those too. Yeah, like, I think like a really nice established parking lot has them. Um, lots of European parks have cool like we can move in walkways or just walkways that have covers. Um, that would be a nice touch for like Epcot or Magic Kingdom, maybe too much. Or for Epcot, I feel like it's it, it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt. Um, but that's just like nitpicky stuff. Like absolutely not anything that really yeah. detracts from Epcot as a whole, because American theme parks are just mm-hmm. generally speaking just have large concrete lots. So, um, but staying at the entrance, uh, I think we got to look at all the ways you can transport yourself into Epcot. <laughs> Epcot or into has more area. ways to get there than just about any other theme park. You can drive your car. You could take, take the monorail. You could take a bus Good from bus. another park. You can you take, take a, a friendship boat. You can take a friendship boat. Yeah. All the above. All so every transportation option that Disney offers, including a minivan, is you a, can take yeah. all of them to yeah. Epcot, which is you now makes it a really like international exchange. Wow. 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 Okay, so talk <laughs> about that monorail station. I think it's fine. Um, can you use a little bit of like a touch of maybe? It's a little weird, but the aesthetic is kind of timeless. I think it's. I, Come on, it's timeless. I think it, I just wish it, it just looks a little too of the era. Like, it, yeah, it, but isn't Epcot's whole thing is to like kind of keep that retroness, even though they do it in some like modern ways? I don't think that the monorail station is really like an issue point. It's, I think I, the bus station is overall, worse. I would say it's not. Like, compared relative to other things at Epcot, the monorail station is not a huge issue. Although, I do find it odd the way. The approach and disembarkment of the monorail is set up where, like, you exit into, like, that huge elevated landing on top of the security area. It's, like, this long, vast expanse of nothing hovering on the second floor of the structure. And maybe some Disney person can confirm this for us, but, like, did it used to be that you entered via... The, the ramp that you use to exit on and vice versa because to me it looks like they could have housed the queue over there yeah. which is kind of vibe I get it seems like because especially when Epcot first opened wasn't yeah. it like only accessible by monorail I think it had a parking lot a parking well lot. I mean I guess it used I don't know how big the parking lot was when Epcot opened but it used a lot of the ticketing and transportation center parking lot but it, our theory is that when you exit like you entering the monorail station it, like, faces the entrance perfectly. So, like, surely it's now, like, it's backwards, and it has something to do probably with, like, advanced security detail around the attractions now and some of the changes related to that. I just wish it just didn't seem quite so awkward, but I don't know. It's not It's not terrible. It's not, it's not like, the worst. It's not even the worst thing at the gates of Epcot. The bus station is. The bus, the station, bus station is terrible. Awful. And there's a lot of... Um, like a lot of retired infrastructure. There's the there's a booth like where you could used to take buses like to the airport and stuff. It still has like the menu board and stuff. It's like kind of toward the back of the bus station, and they have it walled off. And there's like some vending machines, and it's like clearly a cast member break area with some like rolling planters creating a little playpen for. <laughs> and um, that's just odd, and and really just the whole bus station in general just. The other bus stations all look a lot nicer. I think before all of the other bus stations got remodeled, it was kind of just like whatever. 
But now that the other parks have their updated bus drop-off areas, the one at Epcot really feels noticeably ugly. Yeah, and just dated, and, um, and you know, they all just kind of stand around in very close proximity, and it has all those old little flags. It has all the old and, logos. Um, it's just like, it's just not quite it. It's just simplified it, and maybe added more cover. It'll be better. It just feels very, very dated. Like, it hasn't been touched. Very concrete And it's also just very middle. bare. Like, there's just not a lot to it. It doesn't very, scream very Epcot, concrete. despite it being very old, I guess. It's just a lot of asphalt. Um, it just feels like, you know, you're just at, like, kind of like an abandoned bus station that is still somewhat functional. Because, again, like Alex said, there's so much that is not actually being used anymore, like the buses to the city, you know, like the bus ticket booths, you can buy, like, extra transportation tickets. See, at places like... Magic Kingdom at Ticketing Charge Station Center, which is by no means any better. Like, let's not, yeah. let's get out of the way right away. Like, Ticketing Charge Station Ticketing Center also needs a lot horrible. of love, but we're not here for that right now. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they covered up the, the ticket booths with, like, you know, the Mickey gift shop. It's all kind of off to the side. Like, it doesn't seem to be too impeding on the experience, but it's so in the way in Epcot. Um, that whole bus station, I'm kind of surprised, I'm not going to lie, that it has not been touched. Because everything else, the entrance, except for maybe the monorail station, has been has been touched, like the, the tram stops, the parking lots, the, the, the what's it called, the ticket booths, like everything has been has been touched, right? And that's, that's not been touched, it's yeah. kind of like in that I corner. Like the ticket there. booths got their paint job, and I really like the colors, like I really like the paint job that they gave the ticket booths, it makes it look more modern than it did, and more modern than the monorail station, even though it all kind of matches, so... Maybe I just want some, like, paint on the monorail station, but I don't know. I don't know exactly what I want it to look like. But just maybe just something a little bit more, like, stylish and memorable. And then, um, talk about the International Gateway. So for those that are not familiar with Epcot at all, which is probably not the case here, but um, there's two entrances to Epcot. One is located over by some of the resorts, um, you know, the Boardwalk Resort area, which includes Yacht Club, the Boardwalk in... Beach Club. Beach Club. And the Swan, Swan Dolphin. Dolphin. And Dolphin, sorry, Swan, Swan Reserve, Reserve Hotels. And that's all around the Little Lake. And then you can take a boat into Epcot um, on that side. Or towards the entrance and then walk into the uh, into Epcot um, using the Friendship Boats, which are great. Um, the boats itself are kind of old, but they've all been repainted. Uh, I think it's a cool service. If you ever want to get from Hollywood Studios to Epcot, that's a really fun way of doing it. Uh, from the hotels, of course, a fun way of doing it. Um, no complaints there. I think it all works just fine. And then um, a Skyliner station, of course. Skyliner's brand new. I, I love the Skyliner. I think it's really cool. I want it to be I want it to be resort-wide. And I love the aesthetic of the French-themed you know, oh, station yeah. they have that is Parisian-ish themed to match the um, pavilion that it you know, lines up next to. Um, I love the Skyliner. Yeah, I do too. I guess the only issue, which it's not... It's kind of a nitpick, but it's just, I think... Like, the, those areas, the International Gateway at Epcot can become a huge choke point uh, because of the amount of pressure that has been put on the Skyliner station because it connects so many hotels. Um, friendship boats are probably, you know, experience a similar similar congestion, but I just know that, like, people staying at, like, Pop Century and, and Art of Animation, for example... At Caribbean Beach, like, they, stay in, they stand in these huge lines to take the Skyliner out, and then, like, at the end of the night, if you're using the Skyliner to exit the park, the wait times can be crazy, like, 45 Yeah, minutes. it's true, the bridge, they have, like, they have a giant extended queue space, and the queue can go all the way up to the bridge towards beach, 
And I mean, if you think about the amount of people that leave the park on that side, you've got everyone going to Swan, Dolphin, Dolphin Reserve, Beach Club, Yacht Club, Boardwalk. That's uh, people that walk back yeah. to Hollywood Studios. And then you have everyone that takes a Skyliner as well. So you've got Riviera. Riviera. The you have Caribbean, which Caribbean is Beach. massive. And then you've got Pop and Art, which are also fairly large. Huge. So you, if you consider all those people, including those that are going back to their car at Hollywood Studios, you've got a thousands and thousands of people leaving at the same time. It's probably, honestly, which like the flow of traffic isn't terrible, anything. but the line for the Skyliner yeah. and for the boat can be can be a lot. Like we yeah. always just walk. So yeah, for anybody that needs those those transportation methods is like to access that like need to access their hotel like if you're at pop century or something like gotta leave early <laughs> and I, want, I think one more problem there is is they should have built a backup bus station by the skyliner because here's and this is not necessarily an epcot only problem but it is that epcot station problem when there's bad weather which this is florida yeah and lightning in the area or like crazy rain or thunderstorms close down the skyliner, which we've experienced ourselves on several occasions. Yes. You are forced to walk all the way to beach and go through the beach lobby and then go to the bus station outside yeah. on the front where they will have a bus running to whatever park you want. We, we had this happen to, to us once. And but it was, it was so chaotic. crazy how far you have to walk. And people just weren't making it. People were like, confused. Having to walk all the way to drenching the beach rain club lost, hotel Trying to find lobby. the entrance to the beach in a storm. And then, because it's not that obvious, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we even ended up going through Yacht, did we not? We anyway, walked. We walked. And then we ended up walking Yeah, yacht. we gave up. The but the problem is, you now have a central station system that's meant to handle thousands of people an hour to bring them all back to their hotels. And these people have already left Epcot. Can't yeah. go back into Epcot. They can't go front. back into Epcot. So that now they're forced so- to walk to the nearest hotel, which is actually not that close. Like, if you find decided- the bus station and wait <laughs> out there, which was chaotic. If you had decided to take the Skyliner back to your hotel, as a Skyliner resort would person would, and then, like, the Skyliner is closed for some reason, for weather, and then it's like, oh, well, now you, but you, you can't go back through Epcot and take the bus to Pop Century. So you have whatever. to go to the but nearest the hotel, is which is not set up for the mass amount of thousands of people that are trying to get to the Skyliner, mm-hmm. to then try and line up on the small resort-only bus station. It was so chaotic, we ended up leaving, I walked through crazy thunderstorms. Yeah, we just walked through. We were right, so fairly we wet, I mean, it was, like, flooding, wet. it was crazy, we were like, we're gonna walk, because we can't even get to the bus. So that's one thing that is that downside of that. But, you know... That's um, a, this is a slight... This is more of a criticism. But yeah, if they could build a tiny tangent. little bus station just by the Skyliner, which there's a road running right next to it, yeah, just for the express purpose of, okay, Skyliner is closed, all the buses that are going to go to the hotels and stuff will pull up over here. It can mm-hmm. be a super temporary setup. Yeah. I don't care. can be just like, okay, we'll fold the tent open and you stand here and wait for the bus. Yeah. That would be enough, I think, in yeah. my opinion. I think that's actually a really good idea. But wait, it's all this right now has been a little bit more of criticism on Disney World than it has been about Epcot as much. So let's actually head into the park. Now we are we start the at park. World Celebration, which is back again where the monorail is. So, so we are for those for people who are new. Well, actually, no people people who haven't looked at Epcot in a while. If you're new to Epcot, then like you've probably already gotten yourself familiar with the four neighborhoods of Epcot. There used to be two. Future World has been divided up into three neighborhoods, World Celebration, World Nature, and World Discovery. Um, and then World Showcase being the fourth and largest neighborhood has always been World Showcase. But now, so in the interest of using the new names and labels for these areas, we will be starting with World Celebration, which encompasses the center core of the 
former future world area and also the um, imagination pavilion. Um, so I started the main entrance plaza, which has been completely redone. Has really yeah. cool LED lighting around the plaza, mm-hmm. uh, like like a strip that changes color. Of course, it has um, spaceship Earth looming over and having all the lights on that. It has um, the planters and the gardening, and you know, which is updated thematically for every festival they do, which is like four or five years. Definitely, this is an it's, improvement. The fountain is over nice. what it looked like before because this area really lacked foliage. So now there's a lot it was of trees very concrete in the area. Before. Now it's very nice. Yeah. yeah, it's still concrete is kind of. I, I I have to just accept the fact that that raw concrete is just a stylistic choice of Epcot and that when they do changes and they make additions to the park that are very concrete that's just like, that's just their choice. Like, that's just how they want Epcot to look, I guess. Yeah, it's and, always and it kind, kind of, of makes sense. You have your, like, really sleek modern park that they like to believe Epcot is or once was. Yeah. And then you've got, like, your jungle, which is Animal Kingdom. And yeah. you've got, you know, your fantasy thematic VS. And you've got your studio. So yeah. it kind of makes sense that I think that's the aesthetic they chose for Epcot. Yeah. Um, though I do think the real future is very green, which yeah. they have adapted to, though. They've yeah. been adding greenery everywhere. The new hub mm-hmm. is very green. Yeah. It's the new good. hub is yeah, and that's about where the, the positive qualities of the new hub end. Is that well, at least there's lots of trees. I like the new hub. Um, we'll get to there in a second. We're gonna let's see. We want to do Spaceship Earth. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Okay, so we're so Spaceship Earth is a, a a living attraction that is always going to need some kind of additions to stay relevant. At least unlike a lot of the Epcot rides, like the old Future World rides that have come and gone. At least. Spaceship Earth isn't necessarily trying to, like, chase and predict the future. Because that was the problem with, like, Horizons, where everything, you know, building a dark ride that depicts the future, inevitably you're going to, you've created this never-ending problem of of predicting the future and changing the ride. And that's, like, really, like, the issue with Tomorrowland as a whole, but especially for individual rides like Horizons. However... Spaceship Earth still needs a little bit of updating. The majority of the ride is great the way that it is, but I feel like the ride ends on kind of a like on a weak note when you're like yeah at the top doing of the, the dome. In, doing the interactive like thing on your screen while you go all the way down back to the bottom of the dome where you used to have scenes and stuff yeah um, it's it's nice the first and second time and they do a different language and you know like it's but God it just the the repeat value of that is really really low like that was actually one of my favorite dark yeah. rides ever but then it, it, yeah. it's kind of like ugh I the, get, ride, like, the way down is so boring Earth has diminishing returns because like you enjoy the ride a lot right up until the end when there's like, a good minute or two where you're just doing, doing the, the goofy little survey and the little animation and then by the time you get off the ride you're like oh well I guess I kind of broke even like majority of the ride is good I really like, wish that they would have continued that project they were gonna do with that like one um, kind of like reoccurring theme that kind of continues through the whole story and carries you through and adding scenes on the way down. Of course, it was an easy thing to budget cut because yeah. the ride is in pretty decent shape and it yeah. ends with technology. Again, it's not like the most, it's not the most glaring issue at Epcot, so it's kind of an easy thing to budget cut and like. But it does feel a little dated. But it does, and yeah. some of the stuff that they did for the most recent rendition. Um, it's a little cheap. It's like mesh wiring. It's curtains. It's yeah. Um, it's not like it's. It, there's some really yeah. low quality transitions. Stuff, I could definitely use some love. Some of the stuff, like the trip back down, where you're supposed to be distracted by the monitor on your vehicle. There's a lot of. There's just like abandoned and derelict 
stuff and like in the big at the top of the dome where it's all dark there used to be a scene or two up there like every iteration of that ride had a scene up until the most recent and for whatever reason you know it just feels it just feels like budget cuts it feels like once you reach the top of the ride everything that they've done uh until you get back to the station is like the victim of a budget cut somewhere in fact i think that's really epcot just always seems to get screwed when concepts come out and plans come out and change and it's like and it, it seems like w- without fail covid is just like the most recent in a lifetime <laughs> of budget cuts uh imp- imp- imposed on epcot i don't know why epcot is always like the one that gets it the worst but it just seems to be consistently the one where they decide that they can compromise for whatever reason i guess because it's so central to the resort they're not worried about like Attendance, there's just things that they don't have to worry about with Epcot because people are, they know that people will just go. No, but this, this is a Walt Disney World problem, though. I mean, yeah. Walt Disney World gets attendance, whether it's nothing or everything. Mm-hmm. Doesn't really have to fight hard for it to sell the rooms, to sell the tickets. I mean, this week, too, I mean, Disney World is repeatedly sold out, no reservations available. Yeah, this it's was one the first time that, like, Genie Plus sold out people. at every park. Um, you know, it's always been the same problem with Magic Kingdom, not to go to a different park. But Magic Kingdom is always at the lower quality version of all the rides that other parks have. And that's because the audience will be there. There is, you know, almost no competition. Like, Disney World sells itself. And I think Epcot is very much part of that. Why make a Spaceship Earth extraordinarily, incredibly amazing for all this money they got to put into it. When the people are not going to... They're going to come either way, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, but yeah, we could always wish for better, right? So. And then as you exit Spaceship Earth, you're in Project Tomorrow, which I think is one of the clunkier of the um, exhibits in yeah. the various future world or former future world attractions because project, even just the name, it's almost laughable because there's nothing futuristic or tomorrow-like about Project Tomorrow. It's cute. It kind of, It's sort of like a, you know, space, like, 90s-looking space-age-esque uh, Chuck E. Cheese or of sorts. There's, like, little activities and games and stuff, and it's got, like, that burnt carpet smell that arcades always have. And it, it's just, I don't know. Like, I, I guess the most important thing is that kids seem to like it. All of those little... Interactive exhibits seem to be enjoyed by people, mostly kids. So, like, at least people are entertained by it. But it's just, like... But it feels a little low yeah, quality. It's, yeah. it's, it's just dated. It just feels cheap. And it, and it doesn't really feel like it has a lot to do with... No, it feels Earth. very much like an extension to the test track aesthetic and vibe. But instead of just racing your little car around, you have other stuff you can do. But yeah. same kind of color, same kind of aesthetic. It's very much from, like, the late 2000, early 2000s, um, you know, where it's... Almost like like the Tron Legacy era where everything had to be kind yeah. of like that aesthetic. And it Disney was, really it embraced sort of, it. I think it, it it's also pretty reminiscent of kind of like the last era of innovations. Um, is really what it reminds me of. Like the last iteration of we got of innovations before they just kind of abandoned innovations and demolished it. Um, which has now been replaced by Moana in a Communicore hall or what? what Whenever that opens, um, but first, let's let us go to the new the new hub that we waited. What did this take? Like two years? Some of that to build well. this hub. The hub you I, the hub is not it's not terrible. 
You, you I like, like to know how you don't mind the hub. I like to know how because it reminds me a lot of some European city parks. And not like I'm not talking like major European cities. I'm just talking about just like you know some average cities uh, like in Germany or Netherlands where you know the the city parks are yeah. very user friendly. Like lots of sitting space, greenery, landscaping, easy to maintain. I will say that but the, amount of, the amount of raw concrete reminds yeah. me fondly of France. And then I find the amount of raw concrete honestly not. It's not that much concrete. They use some tiles here, there. They have the trees that are like you know on the metal. It's the, I don't know. The I, I really don't hate it as much as you hate there's it. So it just there's just a lot of raw concrete for like building the planters. It's like kind of feels like it's everywhere you look. However. There is a lot of landscaping that they've done. A lot of landscape, a lot of green. They've got those like those those light fixtures that are the weird like the weird string the lights. Little sticks. The, the little sticks. Yeah. Um different ways of walking. Um I really don't hate it. I do find that um there seems to be a lack of a focal point. I mean I guess there's like yeah. the bench with well, the, walls the and then there's that one circle the of planter but it's like a vagina that's like have, the focal point. Yeah, and then they have the, the squirrely lights all around it, but it doesn't feel like it has like an immense presence yeah. or anything. Um, I would barely call the hub of the park. I still think when you get to World Showcase, that's really the hub. Yeah. Um, but um, it's it's nice to have that. I think it's a I think it's a modern representation it's, it's of practical, of like, like a park. In a way, it's very futuristic because it is so it has utilitarian and stuff too. I know I like it for for something that is being built by a theme park. It's extremely utilitarian, almost. Like painfully so because it's not, it's not dramatic. It's not super memorable, but it is incredibly useful. Um, the area of the hub that actually works the best to me is the part that's outside of the Connections Cafe because it really like serves as uh, exterior seating for Connections, and it also is like the little vignette of that air- of the hub that I think looks the nicest. The other th- there's like it's, it's kind of sliced up into four quarters. And, like, the other three areas all have their own little sub-theme. And I, there's a lot of vacant space in a lot of the little quarters in three of the four quarters. And I don't know if there is more that they plan to do or if it's just, like, if they're leaving themselves space for, like, kiosks or booths or, like, a rotating menagerie of uh, meet-and-greets. But I, just right now, it kind of feels... In, in a way, it feels sort of unfinished because I've you get walking through, you get the impression that there's spaces in the, in the hub that are dedicated for another purpose, but that the, the purpose of that is not actually apparent yet. Um, so you know, it's it's all right. It's it's I it was the when the when the entrance plaza opened. I remember we were so excited. It was like that. Just some for whatever reason, just like feels like a much I more. I think one thing you're kind of forgetting about is that uh, new hub, as we call it. Yeah, it's meant for high traffic between yeah. all the areas and the shops and the restaurants, and it's yeah. meant for high traffic. And I think that for a high traffic area, it's going to have a lot of footprints on it. They did a pretty good job keeping it. Um, plenty of trees. We must have made plenty of trees. Um, landscaping, shade structures, um, all in a pretty modern. Perhaps a little minimalist, but pretty modern um, fashion. And I think for something that's going to have as much foot traffic as that's going to have, I really think it is pretty decent. I'm appreciative of the overt utilitarian nature of it. I just wish there was a little more energy to it. It feels it feels very stiff. I, a lot of people are sad that the Fountain of Na- I mean, the, the Fountain of Nations was massive. 
and took up so much of the space that, like, like you can't have everything. You can't have these massive midways that allow for lots of traffic and lots of trees and a giant fountain. Like, I think having a waterfall is timeless, though. Yeah. So it would have been nice to have some sort of water function. If anything, a cascading waterfall the, behind wall would have been yeah. nice. I feel like, a f- and they had a really, they have a really nice water feature at the entrance plaza, the fountain. So, like, the fact that the center, that the hub lacks a water feature of any kind is is a little odd. Not that there's a, uh, not that there's a deficit of water features throughout the park, but I guess that's what makes it so glaring is that like the park, Epcot is full of water. There's waterways everywhere. There's a, there's boat rides and there's the huge there's a lagoon show and there, you know it's just a watery park. I mean, you can take a boat to the park, and you're surrounded by water, you get to the center of the hub, and it's and it's weirdly dry. Um, but there's things about... I, I appreciate the Spaceship Earth shape, like, the impression of it in the floor on, like, the... on the World Showcase side of the hub, like, the, the, the oblong-ass part of it, but uh-huh. it's kind of, like, extends right to the exact center of the park. Um, the midways around that area still need some cleaning up, because, like, where the hub begins and the rest of the park ends still feels like a convergence of old concrete in, like, various shapes and styles that don't all mesh together yet. But, I, you know, there's uh, all in good time. Um, but, yeah, I, I, my biggest criticism of the hub is just that it doesn't feel like it was something that took a lot of care or design or nuance to to produce. It just It's just so utilitarian that it doesn't feel like it's gonna leave much of an impression but i guess that's that's not the only thing that they're building this for like you said it's it has to be useful it has to be useful first because it you know the the attendance the 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 artery that this thing serves a purpose for is too great for them to screw that part of it up so anyway let's move on to creations and connections which have been around for a minute now i think it is an incredible improvement of what used to be there before. Um, creations being the gift store, great gift store, um, a lot more organized, a lot more um, open than Mouse Gears ever was. Was it Mouse Gears? Yeah, Mouse Gear. Um, I just, yeah, I like it. I have no complaint. I like the study they're going for because um, it, instead of using uh, really stark or you know very white, black, gray colors like Epcot has been doing for like so long. Um, using all the wood, which is very postmodern, and it's very, very new and, you know, current to do that. Um, having wood, light wood, integrated everywhere you go is a really nice way of connecting more of, like, a natural edge to it, which Epcot is, and that's part of the park, lacked so hard, which is also why I like the new hub, because of all the trees. Um, and then, um, yeah, connections, too. Um, it's, you need to have a giant eating space. Um, it clearly gets used. It's always busy in there. I mean, good luck finding a table on the Starbucks side of things. So uh, I think it serves the right purpose. I like the open concept kitchens. You can see all the food being made all around, all the desserts, all the salads. Like it's, um, I honestly, I know that you have complained that there's not, that there's a lack of strong identity. Um, I think the identity is really clear. It, It matches the aesthetic of the new Epcot stuff with the whites and the colors and, um, the lettering, I, I honestly, the way the entrances have made, I really don't necessarily agree with that. I think it's very much the identity that Epcot's going for, and I like the consistency between creations and connections and the entrance and the little park, and it all feels very cohesive to me personally. It's, I guess, 
well, it's certainly cohesive. It's just that stylistically, it's it's just too minimalist and too safe for my personal liking. But what it is, if, if there's if there's one thing that all of this stuff is, is that it is useful. Um, the utilitarianness of creations and connections uh, is significant, and like the payoff is huge. There's really excellent payoff for having something that's just easy to navigate and not overly cluttered or difficult to um, to you know see from one end to the other. I just feel like it's it's all very of the era right now, which is fine. We'll look back on it in like twenty or thirty years from now and be like, oh yeah, you know they it was designed like that because that's just what was that's the style of the era and. Like, it's okay for Epcot to be that, because Epcot has always been that. Except that the problem will inevitably present itself again, that if they can't find timeless solutions for stylistic and architectural choices, that they will be doomed to repeat a cycle of coming to terms with the datedness of of things that they're doing. But we'll see. We don't know what's going to look good and what's going to look bad to us in 20 or 30 years from now. Maybe we'll surprise ourselves. Maybe it's it's enough of a blank canvas that if they want to update it with something that keeps it, you know, keeps the can kicked further down the street of what is modern, what is stylish, what is futuristic, that they can add to it without having to take a bunch away and create a huge project out of it. <sighs> but we'll see. Um, and finally, the last major component of the of world celebration. Now, pretty much the only part of World Celebration that hasn't been touched uh, is Figment, the uh, (laughs) Imagination Pavilion, which I know is one of your favorite rides, babe. Yeah, so Figment, (laughs) if if it burnt down, I wouldn't really be sad about it. In fact, I would probably be excited to see what they can replace it with. Just call Europa Park. Maybe they'll burn it down for us. Oh, my God, babe. Uh, So... My problem with Figment is, is that I like the idea of a like park-specific character they created. I like the idea of something about the census, you know, edutainment, because at the end of the day, that this is kind of an Epcot staple originally. Uh, the problem is with Figment is that it's just a trash ride. Like, it doesn't do a lot. It's kind of, you know, boring. Um, it feels cheap. Just, ugh, I'm just like bored just talking about it. It's... it's um, <laughs> <laughs> that building looks kind of cool from a distance. They get closed and it looks like a really old museum that is abandoned. Which half of the building is abandoned. I think it wanted to be like the Louvre. Like it wants it's really just, badly to uh, have and then, the and glass it, pyramid. And then nobody can take the ride serious because the uh, the art style and, uh, and the IP woven into it to make it entertaining while also being educational. It's it's honestly just like, you know, it's like one of those children's museums. But like in a yeah. bad way. Like I just don't really like it. However, having said that... Figment deserves all the love. I think it's a cute little character, and I think Epcot needs to capitalize on the character. Um, but I think the best thing to do is to tear the whole thing down on the inside. You can keep the building and make it look a little prettier. You know, take the banner away from the entrance, like cheap shit like that. Looks, yeah. And then turn it into this, like, attractive dark ride. Unique for Epcot, just for Epcot. It's attractive dark ride themed to Figment. One exclusive that will only be there, because, you know, we are dealing with stuff like... Um, we have Soren at other parks. We have Red Sea at other parks. We have Frozen at other parks. We're just cloning stuff, right? So, like, I like the unique stuff. I like having, of course, Gardens is unique, but it's an IP. I like having the um, the ride in New Mexico Pavilion. You know, like, stuff like that, Test Track. Um, having Figment be, like, a modern 
entertaining yet education if you want to keep it that way uh, dark ride that really is just an Epcot attraction that is figment focused um, I would love it I just think that currently the ride is just um, it's just not it honestly. yeah I'd say and, and the magic the, the magic over. eye theater which is actually like a clone of the Tomorrowland theater at Disneyland which is why both of those theaters were the what hosted like Captain EO and Honey I Shrunk the Audience and stuff I think there's a, just a lot of space f- around like that that is that makes up the imagination pavilion that is underutilized. They also had I mean back in the day when the ride was really giant um and the um ups, upstairs of the, the the pyramid area was like the the um exhibit the interactive exhibit like that was cool like it was a neat it it just this one just really suffered like when Kodak pulled out of the sponsorship um the money to remodel the attraction just evaporated, and it's so obvious that what they did... I mean, first they remodeled it, and everyone hated the remodel so badly that they closed it again, and they remodeled it again, and, you know, it, it kind of stopped the bleeding, but now it's still, like, a very mediocre attraction, starring a character that always has deserved better. And now Figment... Figment makes so much money in merch sales for Walt Disney World. Like, he really deserves better. Like, for all of the love and all of the merch and for all the figment things that you can acquire from Disney, you would think that the source material was a better attraction, like something that had more to it, better length, better props, better, just more substance, just more. Um, and the saddest part is, I feel, I feel like imagination is the most glaring thing about Epcot. Like, would you agree that it's... The part yeah. of the pop that really needs the most work. And especially because it's such a big building, like you said, like, theater that's in it, and there's, like, the second-level club that isn't being used anymore. Like, they have a lot of space well, to work with. Well, I think they do use the second level, but it's like a... It's, it's, it's a vacation like, club lounge. It's a, yeah, it's a vacation club lounge. So, either way, I feel like they could they can do a lot with the space. And I don't necessarily mind the aesthetic a whole lot, because it does yeah. kind of give classic. Yeah. Um, I guess, like, the ride itself, the whole interior, the exhibit afterwards, it all just feels like... I hate to say it, but like a bad IKEA Smoland. Like... <laughs> it's like not, you know, it's like an IKEA moment. Like <laughs> oh my like, god! Like this is kind of you know a thing from the past. Like it's not you know think you saw in museums, yeah. like the kids' science museum. And, yeah, and you know, in a way, maybe that's exactly what purpose it serves, and maybe kids absolutely love that thing. But, and it, it's um, I just don't think that it's for all audiences, which I think the ride was intended to be. What's funny is I audiences. considering how much of Epcot feels dated, I would say that. Imagination Pavilion's biggest problem isn't that it feels dated because it doesn't feel that dated compared to other stuff. It just feels cheap. Like they just needs money. And if it, and the, and the saddest thing is, is I feel like this is the biggest issue that Epcot has. Like the the most obvious area of improvement needed for Epcot is giving Figment a proper ride, and it's also something that they have never even that that. Not only have they not done it, but they haven't announced anything. It's not even like they planned to and canceled it. You know, when they first announced, like, the new Epcot and all the stuff that they wanted to do and all the stuff that got canceled, like Mary Poppins and the Play Pavilion and stuff, and then all the stuff that actually got built, I was kind of amazed that of all the things that they wanted to do, all the many projects of new Epcot, that Figment wasn't actually part of the list of things that needed to be changed. And that would have was, was at the top of my list of things that Epcot needed. So that's kind of the, the saddest thing about it is that it's, I think the most glaring issue at Epcot, and it's also seems like an area that 
Disney is the most reluctant to actually address. So it's probably going to be really weak sauce for like the foreseeable future, which is a, a shame because Figment deserves better. Um, but switching gears now from like our least favorite part of Epcot to one of our favorite parts of Epcot, we would like to apply credit where credit is due for the Jury of Water inspired by Moana it's just part of at World Nature. Now this area, I think, now some people think it's it's just kind of a goofy and like small attraction, like relatively insubstantial. Well, what I always say is that walkthroughs are incredibly um, enhancing to a park experience for yes. me, which is why, again, we like Disneyland Paris so much because it's just walkthrough after walkthrough after walkthrough after. It's just nice to not stand in line. It's nice to not deal with the pre-show. It's nice to be outside. <laughs> it's nice. No, it's nice, though. Like, and, and you know what? We have a, a good friend of ours, Jillian, if you're listening. Hi. Um, who mentioned to me how much she appreciated Disneyland Paris's walkthroughs because the kids just don't like waiting in line and they just want to be active and do stuff and run around and look at things. And Disneyland Paris is the perfect park for that because no matter which land you go to, there is a major interactive or, you know, like a climbing aspect, like anything, like a walkthrough area. Yeah, whether it's the Nautilus or Alice's Curious Labyrinth. Or the Forts. Adventure Isle. Adventure Isle Part 2, 3, 4, and 5. Yeah. Like, there's just so much to, to the, discover the and look at. The dungeon under Sleeping Beauty Castle. And so, the fact that other resorts barely have that kind of stuff is almost, like, mind-numbing to me because that is one of my favorite things about that particular Disney park. Um, and, of course, Animal Kingdom is, is, is a park that does that so well. And in a way, Moana feels very Animal very Kingdom-ish animal because of it. Yeah. Uh, but it's also why I like it so much. There's no waiting in line. You mm-hmm. show up, you enjoy a cute little walk through a Moana-themed water experience. Nicely landscaped, because the whole point of it is just landscaping. You know, water features everywhere. Who doesn't like a good water feature? Dry path, wet path, whatever you want to do. Kids are having a good time. You have a good time. It's just like a good vibe. It's 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 a good walk. You walk through it. It's yeah. like instant serotonin. Like I walk into this thing. It does so many things so well, and it is a relatively simple concept. I mean, if 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 you were to criticize this area by saying that it's a glorified splash pad, I wouldn't correct you because you're not wrong. But sometimes the best. I don't think the purpose of it is to be simple. a splash pad, though. I think that's actually a really wrong analysis of this thing. The point well, is, I mean, yeah, there's so much to get away. To you can't wait if you want, but it's like it's just it's it's edutainment. There's an education aspect to it. There is, you know, it's a walkthrough. It's something visual. It's something. I don't think it's necessarily meant to just splash kids in the face, which is exactly what splash pad does. It's really it's meant to be more than that. It's meant to be a walkthrough, like it's an attraction that you just walk through. Yeah. And sometimes that's really refreshing and nice. And no pun intended on the refreshing part, but. Um, yeah, I just think Moana is a slam dunk, like you wrote on the show notes. I agree. And, yeah, good I, for you, Epcot. Let's build more of these. A lot in of fact, people's... while on the subject, I was going to mention it later in the episode, but I'm going to mention it now. <laughs> I think every pavilion should have a walkthrough. <laughs> a walkthrough what it is. attraction. Yeah. yeah, walk through some castle in Germany. Walk through anything in Morocco. I don't know. Walk through something. Walkthroughs are incredible. Yeah. Oh, Lord, damn it. Yeah, I okay. agree. Um, but yeah, just to... So, for Moana, I just think it's... It's just... I think it's a great area. It's just so pretty. It just... It feels like something that took a lot of care and time and design and finesse to do. It doesn't feel like something that was thrown together or like it was choked I mean, it by budget been cuts bigger, but... or like it was the path of least resistance. It just feels really... Like a really nicely executed attraction that um 
considering a lot of people say like, well, it feels like it should be an animal kingdom. And it's like, well, yeah, that's precisely why Epcot needed it. Cause Epcot needs things like stone and, and grass and <laughs> all of these things that Moana is. Um, so for an attraction that seems so uncharacteristic of Epcot in a way, it's also funny how perfectly characteristic it is of Epcot in the way that it captures the mission statement of like future world, which was to entertain and, and educate and, look at things like sustainability and, and the way the world works and like the science and physics behind it. So that's, I mean, we've got nothing for all the criticism we have of like some of Epcot's more recent choices. we have nothing but great things to say about um, the journey of water. All right, let's jump across and go to the seas with Nemo. Um, it's cool called the seas with Nemo, right? Yeah, seas, seas, seas with Nemo again. and friends. Um, I guess they were updating some of the signs. Oh, yeah. Alrighty, so the seas with Nemo and his friends, all of them, everyone is involved. All of his, all of the friends. Um, everyone's involved, including the dolphins in the dolphin exhibit. Um, I like it. It's classic. It's cool. It's an aquarium. Um, it's a dark ride that goes through an aquarium. And I can only imagine that it must have been a lot more boring prior to it being um, themed to Nemo. Because it's a cute little story now. Like, it's cute theming. And then you have your finale in the aquarium. Then you step out and you're in the aquarium. Like, no hate. I love it. It's cool. I used to ride that a lot. Yeah, I would say that of all of the pavilions in former and ex-Future World, um, this is the one that works the best. It just, it doesn't feel, it's not distractingly incomplete in any way or insubstantial in any way. It doesn't feel dated. Do you use a slide modernization inside the actual aquarium part? Because it feels very like 70s, 80s, kind of like early aquarium. Because when it opened, it was the World's Arts Aquarium. Yeah. Which now is funny to think about because now it's like, it looks so small. Yeah, there's like restaurants in Dubai that have bigger aquariums than this. But still, yeah, it's... it's, uh, Um, But yeah, just like the grounds, like walking between the exhibits and stuff. It's like cute. It's, It's kind of, it's maximalist. It's like you're supposed to be in an undersea laboratory and it like sells you the story and it works. Like there's just... There's just something about the whole area, even with the, the, the stark contrast between, like, the very science and pragmatic orientation of the exhibits and Finding Nemo, it just works. In its own way, it works. Um, there is a larger spanning criticism of Epcot slowly becoming, or people call it IPCOT, um, that, like, the park is, has been, in later years, inundated with, with film franchise IPs in attractions that used to not have an intellectual property. But that's actually something that I wouldn't consider a negative thing for Epcot because, A, people spend a lot of Disney, a lot of money to go to Disney World to be enveloped in Disney-ness. And Epcot was, had a, was surprisingly un-Disney. Maybe at the time it wasn't a surprise because the standards weren't set. But now, you know, looking at it, it's like, well, yeah, of course the park should be full of Disney-themed and related things it's, it shouldn't just be like a world's fair like it should have disney characters all over the place it's disney it's a disney theme park and with the with the gradual decline of corporate sponsorships um for attractions either just from sponsors parting ways with disney or with things actually like going really sour between disney and, and corporations and, and leaving disney in a lurch with a ride that needs to be maintained. Like they've been, Disney's been burned so many times with the way that some of their corporate sponsorships ended. Like half of the rides at Epcot died painful deaths (laughs) because of 
the sponsorship money that ran out. So I just think of intellectual properties like Finding Nemo and Guardians of the Galaxy being the new sponsorship. Disney is sponsoring these attractions themselves by giving them an intellectual property tie-in and generating revenue that way, selling merch and, and inspiring people to rent the movie or whatever, you know, whatever. And, and that's, that's the sponsor now instead of like Kodak and General Electric and etc. Anyway. Um, let's move on to the pavilion right next to it. The land. The land, which is obviously home to living with the land. Also, I want to say that oh. this area around like world nature, I think is very pretty. Oh, yeah, let's the whole between that Moana, living with like the land, and old aesthetics. It's though, it's, it's it's the part of it's the old Epcot that I can tolerate because there is a lot of like mature trees. There's lots of shade, lots of water. There's a lot of cobblestone instead of like in the water. Yeah, it's not as much of the, the concrete as concrete. it is about like the cobblestone aesthetic as well. Anyway, continue. Anyway, the land, so living with the land, um, classic attraction, very edutainment. Uh, I think it's has aged pretty well. Do I get tired of the thing because the sun is shining? Do I fall asleep on living with the land? Maybe. Yeah, but <laughs> that does not a reflection of living with the land. And holiday um, living with the land when is amazing. When you walk into the pavilion, it does feel like a giant-ass hospital. <laughs> and you go downstairs to the hospital cafeteria where the food is surprisingly smacking. But <laughs> it still kind of gives off kind of hostile vibes. Yeah. And then you have the entrance of Soren in the hospital oh my food God. court, which is... It's the being in a food court for it's me. It's the being in a food court <laughs> for me. Um, it's like, okay, this is really an interesting that's a, choice. That's a reference to an obscure There is absolutely nothing grand to it. I feel like if the entrance was upstairs, like Awesome Planet, which is um, a theater show about Earth, but like told in like a realty, like a realtor. That's a cute kind of, show. Um, that's a cute show. Um, aesthetic, whatever. It has, a cute, it's like, it has like an HGTV motif. Yeah, it's so like we're like, on House Hunters, but we're looking at Earth. Yeah, so that is pretty cute. But uh, I think if on that same level, we had to enter the sword, it would have made a little more sense. Now it really feels like hidden below the elevator, and so hidden below the escalator kind of situation. Um, and then let's talk about Soren. Um, obviously, I prefer Soren over California, but that really wasn't that global. So I think the current around the world situation does make more sense. But aesthetically speaking. I mean, Soren is like it's like it's just like it's sore. Like it looks ugly. Like, it's just like gross. Like what <laughs> is boring. this aesthetic? Why is this neon light not been fixed in the last ten so, minutes? I've been visiting. Um, yeah, it's the, just like it's uh, it, the carpet. It's like wow, the cafeteria just bleeds into this hallway. It like, reminds just, me a little bit of Festival Disney with like the oxidized sheet metal um, on the walls. Really, the <laughs> I, I get what they were going for, but here's the problem: this came after California Adventures, and California Adventures has a timeless. It's, Hanger, classic oh, aviation yes. style. It's like wow, this is really gorgeous, really aviationy, like nerdy. And like even classic. when they when they did the soft reno on it to make it part of Grizzly Peak, it, they did such a great job with that. But like then the Soren so and, and, and uh, sorry, in Orlando here <laughs> at, at Epcot, it's just it's like, like steel. It's like Toy Story colors. <laughs> like it's just like steel. all right, what are we doing here? And then the the giant carpeted cube spaces with the carpeted walls and the carpeted ceilings and the carpeted LED screens. Like, everything's just carpeted. And it's just not really a vibe. Carpet and concrete. Having said that, it's an easy fix. All you have to do is is rip out the carpet, make it look a little cuter in there, fix the damn sign, and it looks a lot better. And the ride is the ride. Like, it's, you know, flying theater. Yeah. It was invented in this way by Disney, almost. Like, they really are the pioneers of it. And even though now there's... You know, stuff like Flight of Passage and maybe perhaps more modern LED screen versions of it that we have been on in Asia. 
there is more modern versions, but it's kind of timeless and it's cool. Yeah. And I like both renditions of the, the movie. I just think that the aesthetic of this particular one is is just not really yeah for me. I like the other one, like you know, giving. obviously the one in Disney Sea is awesome. It's not. Of course, Shanghai has a really cool aesthetic with with the the temple and the starry sky mm-hmm. and you know whatever the crazy the Machu Picchu, you know. The girl the pre-show be doing and then <laughs> you have obviously the classic really cool aviator style one from Anaheim um, this one really feels like like a, like, like a cheap hospital it does it does look like a really ugly American airport terminal so uh, like if that's what they were going for they got yeah, it yeah but not like a mo- no, not like one from this age not, not, you yeah. know like Burbank airport 10 years ago oh my god not Burbank airport okay anyways <laughs> um, <laughs> next up um, okay. world discovery Rally world discovery I forgot to mention Cosmic Rewind in this whole thing. It's okay. I don't Everyone think I put, it, I did not put it in the show notes because I, what I will say about Cosmic Rewind is like, that's what the coaster needs and what the coaster or what the park needed and what the park deserved is that coaster. And I mean that in the nicest possible way. Oh no, I think that is a, <laughs> I mean, obviously nobody listening to this is going to be like, oh, Guardians talk about it because yeah. everyone knows already about it. And I think Guardians is a really great addition and they have an awesome queue for it. Really cool queue, actually. The queue um, is awesome. The pre-show you know, it's like, is awesome. It's like space Ikea, which I can't complain. Space and then Ikea. you have... You're um, really on an Ikea cake right now. I just Googled the smell of hours. And then uh, you have the pre-show, which is a little bit annoying if you have to watch it one or twice. Which one? But it's fine. The one for Guardians. Which pre-show? Uh, both. And then like I think the ride itself is an awesome roller coaster. No complaints. We all get it. Very long. It's thematically awesome. Use the screens. Celestial vibes, big circular planets. I mean, there's nothing to hate, and it's long. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't really change much about it, except for the fact that I really don't like the pre-shows that much. Like, I really wish there was a way of doing that without all the pre-shows, because it just kind of burns you out a little bit. The pre-shows are exhausting. But they're not designed to be done more than once a day. Like, these are not riots that are designed to be written back to back to back. And so I got to understand that I'm not the target audience for that. The audience is someone that comes every five years, every ten years, first time in his lifetime, they get a virtual queue. They are blown the hell away with the immersive experience that includes all the pre-shows. For me, it's gets kind of annoying. But in general, I don't think it's a detractor um, for the general experience. Pre-shows, Moving on. Pre-shows aside, like, oh. sorry. Yeah, nice try. I get to talk about it now. <laughs> but you always hate on stuff, though. No, I'm just saying. I, what do you mean I'm always hating on stuff? You hate on stuff, too. Your your torch burning of, of, of the Imagination Pavilion was unceremonious earlier. Anyway, the only two things I'll say about Cosmic Rewind that I would change, beside the pre-shows, is just that I don't like the launch room, because it's like one ribbon of, of projection, one like skinny, semi-circular screen, and like pitch black on top and bottom where there should be stars. Or it should have been just like a 360 screen. Yeah, I mean, it, it just feels... I still remember going into that room the first time and being like... God, Though you do jump through that jump hole... Into the next galaxy. It could even be like a starless galaxy. Like no, but stars. then when they hit the um, cosmic generator, all the stars get sucked into it. Yeah, like but a few stars, of them. Like, there was a lot of stars. But they're not on the screen, it. though. But they should be, because stars... Well, they are far because, away from us, but, but starlight can travel for Okay, eons. I don't necessarily think this is a realistic problem. Uh, okay, well, here's <laughs> a realistic problem for you. Um... The sight lines in the ride aren't that good. Okay, true. Because, Especially when the screens... Yeah. So the screens are multi-use, but there will be like a bunch of trains in the show building. If the trains are not in the right spot at the right time, which means dispatch rates, 
um, or blocking. Then you kind of get to the point where like the screen will change or like you'll catch scenes you're not supposed to catch. Yeah. My favorite part is catching like the big, the big scene where they catch the giant floating yeah, skyman. Yeah, with all of the star jumpers. That is at the end of the ride. But then you see that like at the beginning of the yeah, ride because you, you come go straight past mid course and then it gets off to your left. And I'm like, why am I allowed to see this? The ride you're perfectly the facing spin. it. You yeah. should be able. You should be. I should be positioned away from being able to see this happening. Uh, that is a good point. But yeah, that's my. That is actually my biggest criticism of Cosmic Rewind, more so than the launch room or the pre-shows. It's just that it breaks its own story too easily in the show building. Um, but anyway. it does have a bunch of cute little audios. So yeah, the audios are cute. All right, so let's move on to Every Mission Space. Then let's go in the right order. Okay. You can talk um, about Mission Space. I hate this ride. I love this ride. Good for you. Done. That's the story. Okay, the exit of the ride is kind of lame. But, oh, yeah, with the, um, with the McDonald's play place. But the play place isn't the problem. It's the walkway to the play place taking 10 years. It's like slowly suspended Walmart science where you expect to be told it's a hardware division, but it just says, like, welcome to the Space Center or whatever. You know, it's just, like, lame and cheap. But um, I'm really happy that they got Space The ride itself is sick. The aesthetic could be updated a little bit, but honestly, I hate the aesthetic because... The aesthetic is really true to, like, the NASA age of, like, yeah. you know... To be honest, spaceships be looking like that, and I think that the aesthetic being a little more raw is exactly what all this really truly is like. It's not like Star Wars and Star Trek where everything is aesthetically really clean and, like, every pipe is hidden. It's, you know, it's it's rough. Like, it's human space travel. Are you saying the Millennium Falcon is sleek and all the pipes... And- no, I'm talking about, this first, <laughs> talking about the First Order stuff, for the record. But Star Trek is particularly what I'm referencing to, is where, like, everything is very, yeah. very sleek. It's not um, the USS Enterprise. So, like, I like it, and I like it because it's intense, which, good luck finding some intense stuff there. Um, yeah, it's a good ride. The aesthetic for the exit could be maybe matched a little bit more to the entrance or Space 220, because it really just feels like a utilitarian wall- a hallway that the cast members are supposed to walk in. The only reason you know you're supposed to be there, because there's, like, a two flimsy signs hanging up on the ceiling. <laughs> Um, and then the play place is the play place. Like, I don't play there. I don't care. Um, <laughs> well, it's not for you. Exactly. So, like, who am I to judge? If this kid is climbing through It's just like, like Project Tomorrow, where if, it's like, if kids, kids are, are climbing this, through these little tubes that doesn't where make there's it a relevant. bunch of snot and their fingers, <laughs> the fingers are fatty. And their feet smell. Then, like, love that for them and they probably have the greatest time and that's what matters. But I cannot judge. I don't know their That's experience. where I belong when you're writing... Mission Space. I belong. No, that's in really the cute. You belong outside, waiting for me. <laughs> Not in the kids' play area. Okay, thank you. Um, space at Twenty is a cute look for the park. Um, aesthetically speaking, it's fine. I mean, it's a very different aesthetic than yeah. than the actual ride. But I don't think they were really meant to be much. I'm just glad the pavilion has more sub- more to it than just the ride and the exit of the ride. It's nice that they, after all these years, like gave it another major anchor. Um. Anyway, test track. We got to stay on track um, because yeah, time yeah, is we're almost an hour. Luckily, racing not, by. We don't have a whole race. lot left to talk about because a majority of the things at Epcot that need to be addressed or changed from addressed. how they currently are are in Future World or X Future World. Test track apparently, allegedly, has a bright future. Uh, the remodel has been announced, but lots of things have been announced for Disney World that just don't happen. D twenty three has just turned into. The Blue Sky, Pie in the Sky Expo, where Disney talks about a bunch of artwork and what they would like to do, or what they might do, what they may do. It's all about just, like, defibrillating the stockholders. 
No, I do think it's gonna come, and I think um, it's it's ready for an upgrade because it does feel a little kind of like Project Tomorrow, and it feels a little 2010-ish. Yeah. But um, it's still a good ride, and I think this ride system for Disney has been very successful. Yeah. Whether it's this um, Cars application or Journey Center of the Earth application, Test Track is no exception. You go fast. It's a dark ride. It's thematic. Some of the aesthetics are a little outdated, but again, if the whole ride's gonna get refurbed, then that is no longer a problem. Um, not much I would change there except for just go ahead and continue that more green, modern Test Track 3.0 launch that has been taunted slash announced, and then we won't have any beef, Disney. I'm just glad. Like, I'm glad that the General Motors sponsorship of this pavilion has lasted this entire time. I can't think of another attraction in Disney that has kept the same sponsor for so long. Um... And it's a good sponsor. They also sponsor Tron at Shanghai Disneyland. So, like, there's a positive brand association there for me. GM, if you're listening, it's working. Uh, we're still a Volkswagen family. But I have a positive outlook on your brand because of my association with your Disney rides. But I, I love, anyway, I like that Test Track represents the, the part of Epcot that, for the most part, doesn't work anymore. Where, like, the sponsor is responsible for keeping the ride looking updated. It's a... A, a relic of a bygone era, even though the ride's about to be like the most modern, modern styled ride in the uh, in the park. Um, and then there's the Play Pavilion, the former Wonders of Life Pavilion. Isn't that pretty much canceled? Yeah, it was canceled. Disney would like for us to forget about it. They were like, "You never saw this concept art. We never announced anything." I just think it would be nice to have the Play Pavilion, but I don't know if it's necessarily that needed. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's just. I mean, I'm the one that talks about walkthroughs, but I think Disney, I mean, Epcot has so many of these, like, exhibits, like, at the end of Test Track, where you race cars around yeah. in, like, 20 different the ways. And take space. pictures in, like, 10 different ways. The end of Spaceship uh, Earth. They have Spaceship Earth and Mission Space, where it's all these, and like, figment. interactive-ish exhibits. And, like, there's so many of them. Just fix yeah. all those. They Why build a giant one like that? Because yeah. then it's, like, I you think know they what I'm just, I think they just wanted people to think that they were conscientious of how glaring and stupid wonders of life that being there and being abandoned is they're a relatively short shelf life like wonders of life ran for what it was what like 20 years That's oh no like, so we'll get a major future yeah, patch at some point though. i hope so i mean nice. um and now we're moving into world showcase which which will make it quick the biggest yeah this is more of the speed round because world showcase is amazing and when people talk about Loving Epcot. I That's think what they were talking to, about. World Showcase. Yeah. The only thing that World Showcase needs is just more. A lot of what is there is it perfectly fine. On. It just needs more. It needs rides. Now, I like to think we have a pretty sophisticated palette where we can just enjoy things like walkthroughs and nice architecture and good food and meet and greets and things like that. But this this World Showcase needs rides, particularly in the Germany area. Germany got so close to having a ride, they'd already started building, like, the exit infrastructure for yeah. it, and then walled it up. So, like, there is... And they even there was even a rumor that the Skyliner station was going to be built behind Germany, and that it would have its own entrance and exit, independent of the main entrance and exit and the International Gateway, which, in retrospect, might not have been a terrible idea. It would have really saved... Um a lot of... It would have helped with the choke point issue. Oh, yeah, and it would have been much cheaper. Gateway, and it would have been cheaper. It's ride by Riviera. Like. Um, but I digress. Uh, there is a tangled ride being built at Walt Disney Studios in Paris that's like a round ride. It's not a tracked ride. It's going to be some sort of circular thing. It's not going to take up that much space. It's not going to be that expensive. 
and it's tangled. It's Germany. Like, come on, guys. Like, just it. Epcot doesn't actually really need more dark rides. It needs better dark rides. Well, this is one thing Alex and I talked about early in the car. Um, is that a lot of people like to hate on Walt Disney Studios Paris for its use of flat rides for um, a, a multitude of franchises. So you've got your Aladdin flat ride with Aladdin theme queue, whatever, and then you've got your Cars flat ride with its Cars queue, and, and your Toy, Story, your flat Toy Story flat rides. But it works really well to just like rake up a um, space efficiently, affordably, just add more things to do. Add rides because um, if you do every single damn flat ride at Walt Disney Studios, you're busy all day. Yeah, uh, we tried. There's a lot going on, right? <laughs> we checked it out for ourselves. Um, we did. We did that, and you know, we spent a lot of time doing it. And honestly, it was kind of fun. But the thing is, I feel like if you put, and I was telling Alex earlier, this like a random out of the blue idea. I was like, well, what if you have like an Oktoberfest themed dark, like a spinning flat ride? Could oh, yeah. be anything like like Tomato. It could be like the little car ride at. Um, um, Walt Disney Studios, or it could be anything like that. And you put it inside, like Alien Saucer for the Walt Disney World fans, you put that inside of that pavilion, and suddenly you have something to do. You have, yeah. Even if it doesn't take up a lot of space, it doesn't cost a lot, it can be open within one season, bing, 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 build a little queue house, you've got something else to do. And I think little things like that are really important around the World Showcase, and that's kind of what lacking for me. Like, if you love yeah. to eat, you like to kind of walk around, it's an awesome place. Obviously, the multinational food and and ambassador situation, really, really cool. It's very, very Epcot. But I still think that the pavilions that really shine are the ones that have the frozen ride, that have the ratatouille. You know, like when there's something extra to do, uh, that really makes such a difference. And I feel like every pavilion deserves it. Only half of the pavilions, actually, because there's 12, right? And only six of them have a ride or or a show. show. And then there's Paris, which has both, because Paris is baller. Um, I mean, France. France. But yeah, I always call it the Paris Pavilion. Obviously, it's Paris representing the whole country. But I digress. Um, Italy, Morocco, Germany, Japan, and England don't have a permanent attraction. They obviously have live entertainment, like the genres in Japan, the rock band um, in England. There's always lots of meet and greets in England too, like Winnie the Pooh, Mary Poppins, Alice. Like, there's always stuff to do in these lands. But I feel like the areas that have a more permanent attraction, like the Circle Vision theaters. In China and Mexico and Impressions of France. Um, and then obviously rides, like the Frozen ride and, and uh, the uh, Three Caballeros ride. Like the, the pavilions that don't have something that is a substantial thing that you can just rely on and walk into and sit down and like enjoy some AC. Like those are the pavilions that need the most work and like are and they're all deserving of something like that. Um, and actually the pavilion, but then there's one pavilion that doesn't even exist. It sort of exists, but not really. It's the refreshment outpost. Oh yeah. It's not really there. It's there, but it's not. It was supposed to be a placeholder for like an equatorial Africa themed Which became area. Animal. And then I ended up became Animal Kingdom. Like pretty much. So I will say, um, of some of the stuff that does require a little bit of updating is I do think the show in, in China needs updating. Yeah. It's been needing updating because <laughs> China is a very, very fast growing society. That show is 20 society. years old now. And like, yeah. when you're in that show, especially if you've been to China, you're like, this is all crazy outdated. Like, they're at the it's, financial district in, Shan- in oh Shanghai. Oh my God, so <laughs> like, outdated. Oh yeah, they're at the Pro <laughs> Tower. Well, now there's like, so much going on. So that is one of the biggest criticism of the Chinese yeah. uh, show. I like the new show they have in Canada, far and wide. 
Obviously, Vanisha's Creek fans are absolutely go crazy. Yes. Um, I, I think that that's all great. And uh, Reflections of France. I mean, France is a very old place. Um, and it hasn't changed a whole lot in some of the yeah. areas. So, like, that one still feels relatively yeah. doable. Impressions of France is And great. they remastered the show, so that yeah. works. Uh, but I really think that the, the complete 360 show, which is really cool in, in uh, the China Pavilion, yeah. does need a like, complete yeah. redo IMO. And I don't know what the solution is for Refreshment Outpost. I think... It's just gutted. It's just, I mean, I don't know what, well, yeah, definitely demolish it, but I don't exactly know what to replace it with. I think an extension, just because they love to do the whole Alp thing for, um, because, like, the the theme of the German pavilion, if I'm not mistaken, I I think I'm around this one, is, like, Bavarian more, like, the style of of Germany that they're approaching. But they always, during the food festivals, like, Alps, 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 because all the food in the Alps in Switzerland is all really cute, you know, especially for food festivals. I think just like extended because it yeah. is all connected, right? Like it's yeah, really not that large. Is. The outpost is kind of yeah. small. And it's separated. It bleeds straight into all these seasonal the German bridge. entertainment. So connected to through and all the way to the bridge, just make it like the Alps, like make it Switzerland themed or Austria themed, whatever you got to do over there. I think, um, I don't know. I would rather have another country, like a unique country. But, but I, I think th- those are easy to blend though. Yeah. I think that's why that's it's a nice, that would be nice to just do something small like that. Um, but yeah, really, for, they need to do something with Freshman Outpost because it has this weird, like, it, it masquerades around as something culturally significant, but then it's not. It's a Coca-Cola food booth and like face painting and like it's not you're not you're not going to get any culture from that area unless it's the food festival and that's where the kenya booth is for the food festival but other than that it's really just a facade and so i hope they do something with that eventually that for me is the glaring omission of world showcase um the next most the second most glaring omission is showcases american adventure which is I don't, know what, I don't know what... Hmm. has a presence. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's substantial. It's a substantial attraction. And it it's it, it just... It's complicated because it's like, what are you going to do? Like, are you going to tell the truth? Are you going to talk about the development of America in a way that is appropriate and, like, ethical? And, like, because it, you can't be transparent about how America was made and also be fun. It's, it's not a fun theme park attraction, to be honest, about how this country came to be, which is why I personally struggle with the attraction. There's plenty of sugarcoating and plenty of glossing, but it's really like, I don't know. I did it once. I was so drunk we, I forgot all I, that we, stuff. Yeah. It, I just don't really spend much time or care It's just about a lot of it. It's just hard culture. to sit through. And I, I don't know. Maybe the average Epcot goer doesn't care worry that much about this but it's like for me I'm like ugh like there's gotta be a way to celebrate America that doesn't feel like lying or <laughs> something like how can we celebrate America and be honest and also still be fun I don't know what the answer is there's an answer there's no good fun. answer um, but yeah it's, I guess like the, the big takeaway of the world showcase here is that um, there is just some pavilions and particularly Italy Rock Art Germany Japan and England that are lacking a rider in their show, and it should be like at least something. Either uh, they build a walkthrough, build me a little flat ride, build me yeah. a dark ride, build me in their show, anything like that. Um, it just kind of is lacking, and some of them in, in return feel very small. Like Germany, um, I mean, it has that little train thing you can walk by, but it's, it's barely landscaping. Um, it just kind of walk into the courtyard, and that's kind of it. You have the big restaurant kind of hidden, but um, I just feel like there, there should be something to experience. 
but th those are just nitpicky things. Of course, we love the World Showcase. It's highly unique theme park environment yeah. that you can only experience yeah. at Walt Disney World. Only at Epcot. And so that is something that's something to say about that. And also, I think the way that you view their nighttime entertainment is also really unique. Um, there's a couple parks that have like central lagoons that do a really, really good job with being a global, like a giant stage for a nighttime spectacular. And the one that really comes to mind here is, of course, Chama Ocean, Ocean Kingdom, Kingdom yeah. which um, their shows will never be topped, sorry. No. <laughs> um, but um, I, I think it, the cool thing about Epcot is that they can store thousands of people. I mean, tens of thousands of people can watch one show at the same time and kind of have like a front row view. It's kind of nice. Which is really cool. Luminous, I have mixed feelings about. You're more generous toward Luminous than I am. Well, um, so looking through a quick um, analyzation there, Harmonious was one of our favorite shows ever. Harmonious Another was favorite awesome. show that Disney's ever put on for Nighttime Spectacular. Um, if y'all hate and while you're still listening, I'm sorry for you. Harmonious, it was just, it was I'm not good. saying Harmonious was, was perfect or even the best, but it was Harmonious just Harmonious just struggle of being so high brow and being so um, detailed that it was oftentimes where the show couldn't run in its completion because it was like a bunch of moving metallic arms and fountains and um, it, it was a lot. And so that was the downside of Harmonious. Uh, Luminous, we saw it now twice. Um I like the show for what it is. Um, it doesn't quite have the visuals that Harmonious does because it doesn't use screens or anything. It doesn't enter the water projection, which is kind of weird for Disney shows on water because they all use water it's projection. It's odd to me that there is absolutely no visuals except for just fireworks. There isn't even abstract visuals. There's no screens. There's no water curtains. It's completely audio and lights, and fireworks, and water. Having said that, the pyro is probably the best I've ever seen. Pyro like, is awesome. I mean, best I've ever seen from Disney. I'm not going to say yeah. it's like Chamlong good, but the Chinese just have a way of fireworks. Yes, they do. Um, but um, Luminous is, is Disney's best fireworks show. Um, the, the shells are smaller, and of course, so if you're going to find uh, Magic Kingdom, because Magic Kingdom launches behind the park, and they can use the biggest shells in the company. But um, for what's right in your face, the amount of pyro that is being used on Luminous because it completely relies on pyrotechnics only for the show visuals. It just means you're going to get one of the best pyro, pyrotechnic shows you, that, that's out there. Like, it's just yeah. really impressive, highbrow. Um, I find the tying together of the story a little loose, and I find some of the transitions a little awkward, and um, they really randomly chose to use... I, I mean, it's not necessarily randomly because it's, it's a story about play, and they use um, Toy Story... And Pixar as like to to portray that, but I just feel like it doesn't quite match up with what the rest of the show's aesthetic is. The story is a lot more serious, and then they kind of throw that in there. And the fireworks do not match the lights that they use. That's so the kind of a different story. Um, but other than that, um, I understand why Alex is not a big fan of it. But I personally have grown to like it. Is it all that people say it is? Absolutely not. People are over here praising it like it's the best show since Illuminations. Harmonious could never. No, guys, that is too much. Like, Luminous is good. It has a nice story. It talks about connecting the world. The music is not that strong. The music is not better than Harmonious. Don't come at me. Yeah. Um, but it is a visually pleasing show. It does feel pretty coherent, which is nice. It, it feels like one continuous show. It doesn't switch gears too much. Um, has decent narration, despite it sometimes being a little, little much. Um but to, I just don't want people to acting over here like it is so much better than Harmonious because it really isn't. Harmonious, in my opinion, is still the far superior show. Um, and if you don't like Harmonious, there's, don't, just don't claim that Luminous is all that in a bag of chips compared to Harmonious. At least they're on equal levels, just different kinds of aesthetics. 
um, that I would think would be a more accurate representation of, of these two shows. I guess prefer one over the other, but I think that speaking of, of the quality of them, they're honestly maybe a little bit uh, pretty similar, actually. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like people overact like it's so much better, which it really isn't. It's maybe the same kind of quality, just different choices were made. Yeah. Um, that's where I prefer the choices in Harmonious, and I still like them in Illuminous, um, but it's not not that. I'm going to definitely make that very clear, that I really think that some of these hype girls on, on, <laughs> on, on social media... Over here, like drinking the bad juice, girl. Like, that is not it. Luminous is really good, but it's not all that Omega Chips. My biggest thing is my favorite thing about Harmonious was the soundtrack, and my least good though. <laughs> Harmonious's soundtrack is so it's still on it's still on Spotify. Listen to it, girls. Boy listen band. to it because like that soundtrack was so good. I could just listen to it on repeat. I would say the the my least favorite part of Luminous is is the soundtrack. So like it went from. Basically, the biggest difference between the two shows for me is that for one of them, the soundtrack is my favorite part, and for one of them, the soundtrack is. And I I do not I do not care for the choices they made for Luminous, but I like your analysis, babe. I think you're right in saying that. Like, they're the shows are of similar quality. It's just that like one went in a very different direction than the other, and that's fine. That's great. And now we don't have the giant ugly barges yeah. in the lagoon. Uh, that's always a, so, no, that's a win. Yeah. Um, so with that, those are some ways that we look at Epcot. How would improve Epcot? And having said that, how would we, how would I improve Luminous? Well, maybe just the things I didn't like about it, change them a little bit. I don't want to go into it too much anymore. For me, the soundtrack is also the easiest thing to change. I think the things that I think the technology they're using, the pyro is yeah. good. Having the the lower to the ground um, heavy waterwork slash pyro um, structure is really clever. Yeah. But yeah, overall, Epcot, um, it's it's in better shape than it was 10 years ago, I think, personally. Totally. Um, it, it can obviously use a little bit more, and the problem is always going to be with the park theme to the future. Whether it's a park or whether it's an area, as if you are realistically trying to theme it to modern technology in the future, you're always going to run behind. Like, the, it never goes the way you think yeah. it's going to go. Um, I think focusing on aesthetic is really smart, because one thing I've always praised Tomorrowland and... Um, Shanghai Disneyland 4 is that it just it chooses an aesthetic and that is that is it like Tomorrowland is almost like a word that doesn't necessarily describe Tomorrowland in Shanghai because it isn't meant to predict the future it's just meant to be an aesthetic um, I think that if Epcot just continues to just work on its aesthetic um, that it's it's a perfectly great park I think any theme park company at this point has figured out that the future is not what you're gonna theme your park to anymore um which is also why I think they just chose to do away with the whole future world thing anyway. Like world discovery, world nature, world celebration. It's just, it's a lot more timeless than the future is, despite the time future being the future. Um, having said that, Epcot's a great park. We love it. Hopefully, you enjoyed this episode. Um, if you're listening on any big podcasting streaming services, you, which you probably are, leave us a, a good review. We'd really appreciate it. And we will catch you guys on the next episode. And Happy New Year. Happy Bye. New Year. Bye.